Hanukkah. 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 You're listening to Hanukkah Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Paige Willett and Adesh Nakas, Borewadme Ndao. I'm your host, Paige Willett, CPN tribal member and employee. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate us. During this episode, we'll hear from the 2022 Potawatomi Leadership Program class about their experience and ideas for the tribe's future, celebrate International Podcast Day, and talk to an Oklahoma City musician about his upcoming album. Each year, Citizen Potawatomi Nation welcomes several college-aged tribal members to Shawnee, Oklahoma to learn about the nation's culture, history, and government. While the Potawatomi Leadership Program participants are engaged in the immersive six-week course, they may also gain a strengthened connection to their tribe. CPN Public Information Communications Coordinator Mary Lever spent time getting to know the 2022 class this past summer. After a hiatus in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic and a virtual program in 2021, the PLP returned to its in-person format in 2022. One of the most anticipated parts of the course is the final reception at which the participants present the special projects they created that include programs, services, or enterprises they envision for the nation's future. Vice Chairman Linda Capps, District 10 Legislator David Barrett, District 11 Legislator Andrew Walters, and other members of CPN administration were in attendance to watch the presentations, ask questions, and offer advice. Anna Korzenewski and Chloe Williams created Rajonda Kek, or Cooking Pot, a cooking show produced and shared on social media platforms. The show would feature both traditional and modern Potawatomi recipes and help tribal citizens connect with Potawatomi culture no matter where they live. Williams remembers knowing only one recipe growing up which was the wild rice and berries dish. Every time we would have a cultural potluck for my high school, I would make it, and people would want to know if I knew any more Potawatomi recipes, and my answer would be, um, I don't. So I believe with this platform and with this cooking show, that problem of not knowing your traditional recipes will be solved. Madoan Minkinen, or Gathering of Seeds, was presented by Catherine Charnoki and Melody Glover. The creation of a seed library would allow tribal members to request plant seeds that hold cultural significance for Potawatomi people. Seeds would be harvested from plants grown at tribal headquarters and then mailed to CPN members. Glover explained the difference between a seed bank and a seed library. A seed bank is about storing seeds for like decades and decades in case of ecological disasters, but we want the seeds to be in use, so we found that a seed library is a better term. So in our case, we'll have the seeds stored somewhere, but we will give them or lend them out to people, and then they can grow the seeds, and then they can send some of their harvest back to be used for the next year. David Hardy and Sophia Carney shared Mame Kwashma, or a memorable story about someone, a rebranding of the current PLP program marketing to increase the number of program applicants. The project would redesign the program brochure and create a blog where past PLP could share their experiences. Carney envisions it as a way to attract young adults to apply. 
Unlike a video, a blog can be updated periodically and it's a more interactive way for people to learn about the program. That could be something a PLP student in the future could handle or um, PLP in general could work on as a group if they wanted to. Presenting Skonech, or Red Hand, were Jaden Tarter and Tessa Ahrens. This project would increase local and regional awareness of the missing, murdered, indigenous persons crisis at public events, such as a virtual and in-person 5K memorial run and honor walk, prevention and self-defense classes, talking circles, and other healing practices. Ahrens aims to break cycles of violence through knowledge. Um, I think there's also a stigma around um, reporting things, especially because this issue and domestic violence in general is severely unreported. Um, and I think things that will help that is talking about it and making it um, not stigmatized by having this discussion and making it known that there are resources to help women and help people. Liberty Wolf and Tristan Stites introduced Native Air which includes the construction of a mid-size airport and the creation of a small airline and flight school. The project would offer operation support to agricultural crop dusting services, handle commercial travel, and create employment in the form of pilots, instructors, maintenance, and support staff. Wolf said a couple of things would set Native Air apart from others. It looks like a lot of airports in competition. However, all the airports listed and many more have a major barrier. They are blocked in by housing and enterprises and have no room for expansion. So when we do our initial land purchases, we have to buy everything that we will ever need and want because land value is going to skyrocket around airports. This is because airports create economy and economy attracts people. Each year's class also write reflections on the program. They consider what they've learned culturally, including beating, smudging, language, songs, and much more. The program also encourages them to share that new knowledge with their families and friends. Many describe their excitement at being selected and initial nervousness before arriving in Shawnee and living with a group of people they've never met before. Korsnevsky said she overcame preconceived notions of what it meant to be Native American as she learned about her family's Potawatomi history at the Cultural Heritage Center. She said the PLP has helped strengthen her cultural identity. She plans to share what she has learned with her family and incorporate it into her daily routines. Everything was so cool to learn and it was um, just like really exciting. But then also at the powwow, like um, I, I remember like I'd gone to powwows like when I was in fifth grade and when I was in seventh grade, my family went to one and like I didn't um, dance in grand entry in fifth grade. And like I thought it was so cool, and, but I didn't have any regalia. So like getting to dance in regalia and like getting to make my regalia has been really powerful for me. Several participants spoke of their experience as transformative, connective, and even providing healing. Charnoki said the weekly talking circles helped her process mixed emotions. She grew up in New York, proud to be CPN, but reluctant to share her limited knowledge of her culture with others. Talking with her peers about those feelings helped her fully embrace her Potawatomi identity. Um, it's a safe place um, in community where you can be yourself and be vulnerable and work through um, things about like your conflicted a Potawatomi identity and uh, think about your future and think about your past um, and really reflect. Um, so for me, I thought it was like a really powerful experience. Hardy said before he arrived in Oklahoma, he struggled with the sense that he wasn't changing or growing. PLP helped him embrace who he is 
and he doesn't focus on who he isn't. I don't know. I felt so distant from this culture of ours, and it's just, it's it's difficult to change that in a split second. It's I don't think that's possible, at least for people who are in the same situation as I am. Um, but to have it build up over time, and then to realize, oh, now this is how I am. That I did have a moment like that. Tartar said the talking circle helped him connect with a new sense of purpose. He said he ended many days by drumming and singing Potawatomi songs, which was therapeutic for him. Every time I hear the Potawatomi language and speak it, I do feel a little like a click in my soul, like that it's the right thing to do. And I feel like that's something that's guiding me in the right direction and telling me that this is a strong tether to my original culture. Stites found beauty in CPN culture that he now proudly calls his own. Cultural teachings about wisdom, respect, and humility have impacted how he sees the world and how he will step into his future. I would say that one of the difficult things was actually talking circle and having to open up to these people that were basically strangers when we started and try and have an emotional connection with them and really be honest with your feelings and with those people around you was something that was really hard to overcome. But after some people started opening up and telling stories about their life, it was a lot easier for myself and I think for others to really open up and do the same. Program participants received gifts from Department of Education Director Taisha Zentek, Workforce Development and Social Services Director and PLP Housemother Margaret Zentek, and PLP Counselor Braden Brule to commemorate their time at CPN headquarters. For more information about the PLP, email college at potawatomi.org or visit plp.potawatomi.org. Believe it or not, Hanukkah Podcast is in its fourth season this year, and it has been such an honor to be bringing you all the news and information on the Citizen Potawatomi Nation for more than 45 episodes. Chi for listening, and if you're tuning in for your first episode, bonjour! Hit the subscribe button, and we'll be sure to bring you more. Now, podcasting has become such a big source of news and information and stories in the last decade that there is now an International Podcast Day. We thought we'd have a little fun with it, and communications coordinator Rachel Vishnoff and I sat down to talk about, well, podcasting. September 30th is International Podcast Day, a celebration of the power of podcasts started by Steve Lee and Dave Lee in 2015. In honor of International Podcast Day, we're talking with Hanukkah Podcast host Paige Willett. Hi. Hi, Paige. Other side of the mic. Yeah. How does that feel for you? Uh, you know, it's okay. I've been I've been a guest before. Yeah. On on a couple of other things. Yeah. Well, this is new for me being on this side of the mic, so welcome. Now I can talk about this from the inside give the inside scoop on producing a <laughs> podcast just kidding I'm hoping that's what you'll give us um could you start by just telling us in in your own words just what the Hanukkah podcast is so basically Hanukkah podcast is sort of a program that goes along with our newspaper um that tribal members receive um it sort of goes along with it expands on some of the stories um gives some 
content that you do not get anywhere else from the nation. Um, and it's basically sort of laid out like a news magazine program, meaning that you get several stories in one episode. How did you come to be the host of the Hanukkah podcast? I graduated in December 2012 from the University of Oklahoma Journalism School with a degree in broadcast and electronic media. Uh, I really focused on radio as much as I could during college. Um, I you know, sort of got involved with the public radio station on campus. Um, I fell in love with audio reporting um, and just using audio itself to tell a story. Um, I also just love listening to people's voices and stuff. I'm just a big audio nerd. And so, you know, this opportunity came open here at the tribe and I had the opportunity to come here and do some audio production for us as well as write and do a lot of other things here in the public information department and so I said yeah here we are here we are so 2022 we are in season four and I can't believe we've had four seasons already yeah wild to think about producing I don't know, four seasons of something I've done daily news, but this is just a little bit different. It is. What What is different about it from daily news? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I guess the big difference um, would be the time that you get to work on things. Um, we are up to two episodes a month of Hanukkah podcast here. We started out um, at just once a month, but it really gives you a lot of flexibility uh, and the ability to really develop stories and flush them out fully and take ideas, you know, that you have and really develop them, try different things, which is always fun. Daily news is very fast, obviously. Sometimes it's very by the minute. Yeah. <laughs> so now you get to spend time building the story and you also get more time on air with the story. The good thing about that is there are really no time constraints. So um, if I feel like a story needs a couple of more minutes or something, that's fine. I'm not set to any sort of schedule or anything. Or, you know, if something ends up being short, like, okay, that's okay too. So you talked about your love for audio reporting. Would you tell us more about that and what drew you to radio and podcasting? I am a very auditory learner. I learn well talking to people. In college, I started working at the public radio station to see what that was like. And I ended up sort of falling in love with it because it felt like this great mixture of me being able to use my like auditory learning sensibilities um, also combined with my love of writing but also doing something that was going to go deeper than you know um, your 90 second or two minute stories 
um, like there is sort of on like your local news uh, station. So it sort of combined all of those things. And a lot of audio reporting really is writing, uh, honestly, because if you haven't written it well, it's not going to end up being a good piece, you know, and the hallmark of a good audio news story or a good podcast, I guess good scripted podcast, people listen to a lot of unscripted podcasts now, Um, but a good scripted show is that you don't even realize that it is scripted. What was it like um, getting a podcast off the ground from, from scratch, I guess? That was an experience. I really hadn't done something like that before. I sort of had to research some, what people were doing, what the best method of that was. Uh, So there's sort of a line that you have to find there with how you're going to upload stuff, how you're going to market it, how you're going to edit it. And luckily we have some really, really amazing people on staff, especially our graphic designers who helped make a look for the web presence of the show. And then of course there was also putting together a introduction uh, for the podcast and figuring out a way to to write that. I hadn't really um, done that before. So that was a fun, uh, that was actually a really fun thing to sort of figure out how, uh, you know, we as the nation like wanted that to sound. It was a, definitely a very big learning um, experience. Also, like literally hundreds of hours of listening to radio. <laughs> um, Sounds like tedious terrible work (laughs) tedious terrible work uh yes i hate radio no um i love radio so yeah literally hundreds of hours of listening to all different kinds of programs and knowing sort of you know how each one sounds um different kinds of stories how they're produced uh everything like that uh i guess it's the same thing as you know if you want to be a good writer you better read a lot why is it important for the tribe to have a podcast, in your opinion? Well, for a lot of indigenous societies, oral storytelling was how information was passed down between generations. Um, that goes back, you know, literally before before writing, uh, before actually a written language was was created, um, and I think that podcasting fits that tradition very well. (laughs) Um, I think that it just totally makes sense. I love telling stories orally. I love sitting around and just listening to people tell their stories, Um, and I love writing about them, but I also love capturing people's voices. You get a whole other dynamic to the story when they're, you know, when you can hear someone telling it. Uh, Once again, as we all know, you know, only only what, like 30% of your communication is is actually the words that you're saying. Everything else is your voice and your inflection and your face and your body movements and, and everything like that. And I feel like you can get a lot of that through the voice. You know, you can tell um, really what, what, someone, what someone means. So could you walk me through the process for creating an episode, 
a typical episode, if there is such a thing? First is taking a look at what's going on um, around the tribe, finding out what is either coming up or figuring out what people are doing on an individual basis, um, services we're offering, or things that just need to be explained more that people are having questions about, maybe. So it's going and recording all those different elements of it that I sort of want to put together after I feel like I've got an idea. Um, And then coming back, taking all of that audio, sort of reassessing it, and then comes writing. So then I sit and I, uh, you know, think about everything that I learned and everything that, you know, maybe everyone should know from from all of these different places that I gathered audio from and write up a script of it. And then, of course, uh, go back through and cut all that audio up. And then I record narration for pieces if it needs it. But then cutting that all of that together and doing all of the editing and... Uh, Then once I have several stories done, putting the whole episode together. Are there any episodes that you've worked on that stand out as particular favorites or particular challenges or, you know, just that have really stuck in your memory over the last four seasons? Oh, yes, definitely. There is this one episode, I think from season one, and it has this story in it, and it's all about berry picking and... There are these little kids with their parents, like, picking strawberries, um, and I think raspberries or something, and I went out with them in the field, and, you know, I was watching them pick them, and these little kids were just, like, giggling all over the place, um, and and berries have such a, like, cultural significance for the Potawatomi anyway, and it was just, like, bright and sunny and beautiful outside, and... It was just great, and I, I really just, I don't know, wanted to capture, like, the joy of that moment while teaching everybody something, like, culturally significant through that piece. Um, also, though, one of the most recent episodes that has come out is about the 10-year anniversary of the aviary, and that episode was so special to work on, um, and one of the ones when I was talking about how you know, they're just going to tell their own story. Those ladies are incredible. They're so passionate and, um, they love telling their story and just no one can tell it better. You know, I was really honored to work on that episode and sort of give people uh, a deeper look into, into their daily lives and the history of the aviary. What's next for the Hanukkah podcast? I think there's some other good things coming up at the tribe that everyone can, you know, keep their ear out for. You know, we'll be covering it on the podcast, too. Once again, Equian for being a listener. If you have feedback, story ideas, or just want to chat about the podcast, email hanukon at potawatomi.org. That's H-O-W-N-I-K-A-N. Citizen Potawatomi Nation tribal member Jesse Allen Horn epitomizes a working musician. Some weekends he plays five shows at venues across the larger Oklahoma City area, and on Monday he wakes up and starts the process of filling his month all over again. 
make a pot of coffee and send out like 100 emails, right? And then if you get hit back up of the 100 of 10 shows, that's your month, you know, you're good. So you just it's like a work thing, you know. Just putting in that, that effort and always delivering your product. On a warm and rainy Sunday in August, the View family descendant played to a small afternoon crowd at the Sunset Patio Bar in Oklahoma City's Midtown District. Some regulars strolled in who tried to make it out to see him every weekend, and others bobbed around to covers of Eric Clapton, Jason Boland, and more as they sipped drinks with friends. Watching Horn play, it becomes apparent he is most comfortable behind a microphone. There's like an energy, like it's weird. Uh, an atmosphere that you can create that gives everybody like a good positive vibe, you know, and working with other musicians that feel that with you, it's really, I don't know, it's moving, adrenaline, it's like, it's just really powerful. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of addicted to it, <laughs> it's so cool. He began learning how to play guitar at age 13 from his grandfather while growing up in Colorado. He also taught Horn how to sing and write songs, particularly Southern gospel pieces they could lead at church. My grandpa had a Parkinson's whenever we were little, and he was the choir teacher at a church, and he couldn't play the guitar anymore. So I was like, well, I'll learn how to play guitar for you. So that's how I started. Audiences hear other influences while he plays around Oklahoma City, with his set lists drawing from 70s hits, folk music, Tom Petty, John Mayer, pop country, and more. Horn started performing around the Metro in 2010. He remembers his first show with pianist Casey Cross at a bar and restaurant in the Bricktown Entertainment District. We played for $25 and a basket of fried chicken. That was our first gig, and we thought we were like, we did it, you know? And we were happy. We were going to college. That's how uh, we linked up, and we did that for like two years. And then we just, I just kind of started branching out. After leaving Oklahoma to play on cruise ships for a few years, Horn returned and now rotates through a steady stream of venues that welcome him. He jokes with the audience and takes requests, daring them to name a song out of his reach. The tablet in front of him as he sings and plays guitar holds thousands of songs from which he built a set list. It's just kind of like, what does the venue want from me and, and uh, what does my audience ask of me, right? So we have two kinds of artists in this world, right? We have artists that play for attention, and then we have artists that play with intention. So you can be profitable off of either one, but the thing is, is you want to create a product for uh, whatever kind of artistry you're, you, you want to sell. Horn's most recent endeavor includes recording and releasing his first album, Bolo, or Be On The Lookout. While most of his performances focus on covers, this new album gives fans an in-depth view of Horn's worldviews and talents as a storyteller. I think artists are observers. And whether you are a painter or somebody who writes music or poems or does poetry, you have to sit back 
and you have to be able to see what's going on on the inside and be able to paint what you see and the fact that like people can relate to it and use that as a uh, a canvas you know i think that's pretty cool like that's art to me Bolo is a concept album that focuses on a main character who's had a hard life both within himself and others and his attempt to overcome obstacles and find success through positivity. Horn created what he calls a lot of pits and a lot of valleys throughout the record to show his character's journey. You know, work, it was force multiplied by distance. I love saying that, you know, how hard are you willing to do it and how long are you willing to go for? You know, it's just, that's work. Horn believes in four traits for success, character, competence, consistency, and empathy. He said much of the main character's quote-unquote work includes making himself a better person and finding a newfound strength and understanding how others feel. He still has character. He still shows up to the gig, too, so he's consistent. And he's competent. Like, he doesn't mess up. He's always reliable. But he's so burnt that he has no empathy. And he's just kind of like become this cold individual. And in the story, there are these guardians that come down and they help him identify what empathy is. Horn plans on releasing a new single every two or three months. And the first one, Nobody, came out in August 2022. describes it as epic, very moving, and powerful. Horn was influenced by Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell 2 and composer Jim Steinman. That like three guitars, two drummers, a bass player, a female vocalist too, by the way, is one of my favorite vo female vocalists. And I just like, I thought that was powerful. And I wanted something like for the first song straight out the gate, I wanted power. Horn believes in self-created genres that are unique to each performer. His upcoming singles show the influences of Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Ray Charles, and even ACDC. Follow the release of Bolo and hear Jesse Allen Horn's single Nobody on all streaming services. Find more information on his career and upcoming shows at jesseallen.com. It's time for learning language when the CPN Language Department joins us to teach vocabulary, songs, stories, and more. In this segment, Department Director Justin Neely goes over some art vocabulary. So art is something that uh, our people always like to make things look nice. I mean, if you're going to have something that's a possession that you have, like a pair of moccasins or it's a bag... They like to decorate. They like to jazz it up. They like to liked it to look nice, if you will. And before we had beads, um, traditionally, a lot of times we used quill work. We used quills before we got beads. We kind of got trade beads once we had contact with the, the French in the early 1600s. So we did a lot of stuff with beads. But again, before that, we would use quills, and we, we could dye those quills. 
um, different colors and made some really vibrant stuff with quills. Quills are great to work with. They hurt if you poke yourself, but beads are a little bit easier. So I can see how our people would kind of adjust over the years and find other other mediums for working with uh, decorating things. Mesne Biaget, artist. Mesne Biaget. Bebisye chigan, beadwork. Bebisye chigan. Gawi is a quill. Gawi. And then Gawik are quills. Gawik. Wabgan, clay. Wabgan. Bishagan, leather. Bishagan. Magos, all. Magos. Napquewagan, necklace. Napquewagan. Show again, paint. Show again. We show be again, paint. He or she does. We show be again. Wabtesan. Dye something white. Wabtesan. Tesan. Color something or dye something. Tesan. Teske. Color or dye. Teske. Gokpenagen. Basket. Gokpenagen. Gokpenagenneke. He or she makes a basket. Gokpenagneke. Nibton. Weave something. Nibton. Nibtongen. A loom. Nibtongen. Now, when you talk about beading, um, there's different styles of beading. There's peyote stitch. There's beading on a loom. Uh, loom beading for most people is the easiest one to kind of start with because you can have a pattern and use the, the threads and you make a, a loom. Um, peyote stitch is a little bit more difficult because you have to remember to, like, to you basically use that a lot of times when you're beading up something. So if you're beading up like a feather or a staff or something like that or a lamp, peyote stitch is the way you got to go. Squagwagen, squagwagen, sewing, squagwagen. Misenguadan or Mishachguadan, embroider something. Misenguadan or Mishachguadan. Misenguachkin, a decoration on a drum or applied decoration. Misenguachkin. So that's it for Il Ilkshejana for art. Again, everything that we used, we used different mediums. We like to make things look good. We created beautiful. Beautiful pieces of work with just average everyday things. You know, if we had a spoon, we we like to decorate it. We like to look, make it look nice. So that's it. How yo? For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news/language. You can find an online dictionary at potawatomidictionary.com as well as videos on YouTube. There are also Potawatomi courses on the language learning app Memrise. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Please click the subscribe button and leave us a rating. And share the show with your family and friends. You can find CPN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potawatomi. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at potawatomi.org. 
That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Megwech Nikanek, Mamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.